I just wanted to welcome everyone. I'm just really glad that you're here with us. My name's Melissa LaSure, and I run the Literary Skate Book Club podcast, and we focus on um, historical Christian romance novels. So if you haven't um, heard us, you can check us out on practically any podcast platform that's out there. Um, But we brought together, I wanted to bring together some of the authors that have been on our show this year. So I would like to introduce you to Margaret Brownlee. Uh, She is joining us today from California. And if you are someone who enjoys humor and mystery, then her books are just for you. She has lots of humor. Um, If you check out our episodes uh, for her series that we went over, you will hear hilarious, hilarious stories. I think that you'll find entertaining. Um, And then we have Melissa Jaggers with us today. And so if you enjoy, I would say, in-depth characters that really grow and change um, throughout the story, you're going to absolutely love her books. Um, And then we have Julie Lessman. Uh, She's been with us for a live event previously, and she's back today. And if you are a reader who loves clean romance, passion, really passion-packed romance, then Julie's the author for you. Okay. And then finally, we have Karen Whitmire who's joining us. And if you enjoy adventurous romance stories, then I would say you would absolutely love her books. Okay. So welcome, everyone. And we're going to jump in with questions. So if you have raised your hand or if you've popped it in the chat, we'll go ahead and get started with those questions. And then at the end of the hour, we'll wrap it up with the giveaway. And I don't know if you can see it, but behind me is the stack of books that one lucky person gets to walk away with today. So, all right. Any questions before we start? Everybody good? Okay. All right. I'm juggling two computers to kind of keep track of everything. I don't see anything in the chat. So let me open up so I can see. Kathleen raised a hand. Did she? Yeah, it says Kathleen. Ah, there it goes. It popped up for me. Okay. This is my first time on Google Meet. I don't know where the chat is. It's in the bottom um, right-hand part of your screen. There, It looks like a speech bubble. Do you see it? Um, I have in-call messages. Is that it? No, it should say chat with everyone. Oh, yeah, in-call messages. I see that now. Yep, that'll work. Oh, oh that's it. Yep. Okay. <laughs> Did you have a question, though? Because you're welcome to ask right now. You're up. Oh, if, if, if everybody's ready, my question is, how in the world you guys get the little things in there that make the people seem so real? Like in Melissa's one of her books, she said uh, the, the gentleman had given the the heroine the, a little kitten and he said he should try to work on being cuter, you know, because he was so cute or something. It was just the little things. And in Karen Weiderman at Weidermeyer's book, I just read the Texas Christmas Carol. It's sometimes those little, do you go back and add them? How do you add the little things in? That's my question. Okay. Which one would like to take that one first? I guess I'll go first. She mentioned me first. Um, okay. I That kitten um, edition was actually one of a later revision. Um, I go back and just layer my characters and they become more real to me every time I go through it. Mm-hmm. And so they just... Um, they just start to feel real and so they just kind of kind of talk. So I just write down what they say. And sometimes I'll give them a cat and then I'll just play off of that. So it's 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 a lot of layering and then they start to feel more real the more I layer them. And so I don't consciously always give them the little things. They just pop up in my subconscious. Yeah. My writing process um, is a little different. I I don't go back and do layering. So I basically write one really slow, careful draft. And so for me, it's just, it's kind of one of those 
in the moment, inspiration strikes and we go from there. I, I try to write a lot, um, kind of how I... Um, if I was watching a movie, how I would describe what's going on and some of the humor and things like that are just things that come up based out of the different um, the different quirky sides of the characters and um, that kind of thing. But a lot of it is just kind of as I'm writing it, it, it comes up and I'm very thankful for <laughs> the inspiration and, and try to build off of that. There's not very many of us on the call right now. So if you have a question, oh, look, someone raised their hand. <laughs> um, you feel free to hop on and, and ask those. It's really a time for you to connect with these authors that you enjoy um, reading their books. So. Well, how about Julie and Margaret answer the question since Karen and I were so different? <laughs> Okay, Margaret, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I just got a message that there was an unstable connection. Anyway, um, uh, yeah, so um, I, I do what Melissa does, basically. I write in layers. Uh, I do a real quick draft from beginning to end, and then it starts going through another layer to another layer. And uh, the more you, like you said, Melissa, the more you know your characters, the more these little details start popping up. So that's, you know, basically the same, pretty much we have the same style, I guess, I'd say. Yeah. I would say that mine's closer to Melissa's as well. Um, but what I do is I do do what Karen does too. I try to write, you know, I'm kind of an emotional person. So I just kind of try to get everything in. But then um, like at my beta readers or an editor, when my editor, you know, uh, when I had my editor, she would say, you know, he's not coming off right. And, or she's not coming off right. And I, I mean, literally, I just go back in and I brainstorm, how can I make them more likable to, you know, the reader? And um, and then my beta readers will come back and they say, you know, I just didn't like her, you know, and, and I go, whoa, <laughs> okay, because if, you know, you, you got to like them. And I don't like them. Like my most recent book I wrote, I did not, I just didn't, wasn't attached to the hero. I just wasn't I had to go back in and give him things and and paint in things lines here and there all throughout the book and it worked it, then I liked him and then I heard people liked him too so that's kind of how I do it I don't have any other questions coming in I mean I could ask a ton myself but oh Lindsay, Lindsay go ahead Hi, I was wondering how often you use a real person or actual event in history in your novels that's a good question. Oh, well, I'll take it since I opened my mouth. <laughs> um, I I try to a lot. I try to put a real per. I just think those things are cool. Like in my World War II book, uh, my first one, I there was all kinds of things about uh, Marlena Dietrich and Coca-Cola and Hitler like and Gone with the Wind and Coca-Cola. I mean, there was all these wonderful tidbits that I, I mean, just tons that I just put all throughout the book. And that's fun for me to do. I really like that. In one of my books, I discovered that Foster Grant glass sunglasses were invented during this time. And I had the heroine happened to be a store manager. So I had her, you know, get, get those before Filene's gets them, you know, and, and, and stuff like that. And I'm sure all the authors do that. And then as far as real people, um, my first four books or three, first three books are facets of my personality. The first book is my spiritual self. The second book is my carnal self. And the third book was my dreamer self. So I, I think that I imp implement all those things. Margaret, you can go ahead. Okay. Um, I had something strange happen to me uh, on this very subject. I kept having, um, <clears throat> Jesse James kept popping in my books, all three of my <laughs> books. <clears throat> and uh, this last book, uh, The One Outlaw's Daughter, um, he, he, uh, was the name of a, one of the young people in the books. Jesse James and the little boy had to kind of overcome the name. Well, it turned out my daughter gave me a DNA sample uh, thing for Christmas, you know, when you check your DNA. So who shows up on my DNA but Jesse James? <laughs> Apparently he's 
he and I share the same relative. Oh I'm thinking, uh, <laughs> is that weird? So, so I didn't know I was actually writing about my ancestor all this time. <laughs> so, <laughs> anyway. That's really neat. <laughs> When I write, I don't, um, usually I don't start with like a specific historical event or a person uh, from history. I just kind of, I want to tell kind of what I consider real people, although they're fictional, that the average, average everyday um, person, what their life was like. But when I get into the research, especially when I'm focusing on the research for my setting, um, more often than not, some really interesting history will come to light that will actually help shape my plot. Um, and so that's really fun when I can incorporate that um, that local history um, into my stories. And when I wrote um, the second Horseman book, um, The Heart's Charge, with um, in, in Kingsland there, there was a lot of unique history uh, in that area. I was able to, to go there and uh, see a bridge that actually is still standing that was there at the time. There's a big scene that happens on that bridge. And a lot of that inspiration for that scene came from going to the local library and going through some of the um, history of that town and just learning that, you know, school children would go across this railroad bridge because it was the only way into town. And you just got to hope that the train's not coming uh, when they're going through. And so things like that, that really add a lot of color and interest are fun uh, to add. But I usually, because I don't really like politics, I usually don't use like the big, the big stuff that's going on in history. I like the little details. Yeah. Yeah. Mine's similar to that. Um, I often use things that I find in my research to color things like um, in a heart most certain, the person that actually lives in the mansion that I'm actually describing was a lumber person. And so that's what I based my guy off of. And then there was a particular meeting in um, the city. My city is fake, but it's based on another one. I always use like a, a local area to help me with my historical setting area. And so I kind of go off of that. And so a particular meeting affected um, my my book's plot and, uh, and my Wyoming story. The uh, I had the actual um, city planners, actual like job duties for that. So it's more I base my characters with some stuff of ordinary people. Um, I, I do have a series that I want to do later that'll have actual real people It'll be the first time I actually put real people in in my book that I know of but um, and sometimes it gets cut like there was a monkey in a bride in store because there was an actual monkey in this particular um, city that I was basing it on but he got cut but um, <laughs> just Aww. more is more like the the historical newspaper clippings and things of that time um, help inform what's going on and sometimes inform some of my characters and gives them things to do. But I don't, um, as, as with Karen, I, I, I just want it to be real people of them. And I don't know about you, but I don't know very many famous people that make it into, into history. So I'm not that well connected. So neither are my characters. <laughs> Um, well, another question I had with that, um, do you take like actual real people, but kind of just fictionalize them to make them, you know, your own characters based on the actual, you know, events that actually happened? I, I can answer that because I got a real good one in, in one of my uh, my third uh, Western uh, Silver Lining Ranch series uh, I had Buffalo Bill, Wild Bill, <laughs> his, his shows that he went around the country. And it and my gal, my heroine was um, she was she was trying to get the hero. You know, it's called uh, Love, uh, Love Silver Bullet. She's mm -hmm. trying to get him and he won't have anything to do with her. And and so she uh, learns she tries to take uh, shooting lessons and then she gets it. They go visit the show and Buffalo Bill and Buffalo Bill's nephew. I mean, I have, the, he's, they're very involved in the plot. Mm -hmm. um, that was fun. And I, it, that was fun to research because you found out there's so much out there on what he did and what the shows were like. So it, it was cool. I enjoyed that. 
I, I'm going to just butt in real quick about that. That's uh, one of the series we did for our podcast. And I was going to ask if those were real details because they really do. You did weave them in really well. And yeah, I was very are. suspicious of of his nephew and his intentions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, that was a good question. Anybody else? I don't um, tend to take real people and fictionalize them for the most part, whether it's a historical figure or like my next door neighbor. Oh, I'm going to write you into my book. I don't tend to do that. I I tend to um, just take it strictly from my imagination. A lot of times I'll get inspiration from um, TV shows or um, other fictional settings like other books I read and that kind of thing that kind of help give me some fodder. But I have mentioned a few uh, real people from history in my books. And when I I do, I always try to be very careful because this is a real person, right? So you want to make sure, don't ever say anything bad about a real person. (laughs) Um, But I also, I want to, sometimes it's fun as kind of like an Easter egg for me or for anybody who might know the history of that area to have a a real person mentioned. Um, And it's it's basically something that comes up in research and is fun to include, uh, always in a very, authentic, well-researched, and complimentary way. Yeah. I, as I said, I don't use a lot of historical people. There are occasionally um, some hints to a historical person. I do sometimes use people that I know as a um, catalyst for a particular attribute of a character. Um so I've done that, but you wouldn't be able to tell who they are, um, except in a heart most certain. Um, I was I'm I was best friends with my f- former church's pastor's wife, and one her story of her spiritual journey really would fit in that book. But I wanted to use it, and I knew she and anybody else in our church would recognize it. So I asked. Um, her if that was okay and so that's actually she's the book's dedicated to her and it's in the acknowledgments that it is her so that nobody else is going you know from church is like oh which one of them is me um but (laughs) but usually it's just a facet and I use my husband a lot there's a a facet of my husband's dyslexia in my first one and and his addiction problem when we met and one of the one of the books so but now none of them are him but there's always like uh, an attribute that I might give a particular character. And I think Julie said, like, with her first three, there's pieces of me in there. And some of the um, some of the stories, like how I cut an apple, and I think a bride for keeps, I think, was a struggle I had with my children who needed their apple cut, you know, very particularly. So there's little teeny tiny facets of people I know or myself. But besides the – and the spiritual journey of that one – um, friend of mine, she's not the lady that she wasn't that old and that sort of thing, but it was just a particular facet of a person I knew that that fit with that story. But other than her, it's very, very minor. And then if I do use it as a catalyst, they be, as I said, I layer the character. So after a while, they become their own character. And so they might share that attribute with someone, but they're not any particular person. Yeah. I found when I use people that I know, they don't recognize themselves at all, even if I use their mannerisms. <laughs> uh, but, but I do want to say uh, my Pinkerton uh, detective series, uh, Undercover Ladies, um, I did a lot of research because I was actually basing those uh, my heroine on a real life character uh, because most people don't realize that in the uh, 50s and 60s, 1850s, 60s, um, they had a whole female Pinkenden detective department. And unfortunately, uh, Chicago Fire, you know, burnt all the files. But um, it was just such a fascinating thing. So I, you know, had to read a lot to research because I wanted it to be accurate. So there's a lot of research go in when you're basing it on real characters, for sure. Yeah. And I'd like to interject that I, we, I also use real characters as a means of uh, authenticating my books. Mm-hmm. Um, for instance, in my World War I book, um, World War II book, excuse me, um, the heroine has to, uh, 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 what's his name? Famous guy, Hemingway. <laughs> 
Hemingway's wife, um, she actually was a reporter just like he was. I, I can't remember her name right now. My memory's there. Anyway, she uh, actually snuck. They wouldn't let her go. They wouldn't let women over in, on, you know, in D-Day. I mean, you know, to go over there. They just wouldn't allow reporters that were women. So she snuck on a medical ship and she went over there and she was there on D-Day and she recorded stuff. And, and um, that I had my character do that. I, because I knew it was legitimate. I knew you could do it. And so I I used those things. Uh, and also my character when she was a WASP, a women's airline service pilot, uh, you know, trainee, she, uh, every one of the stories that she does, falling out of a plane, finding a snake in the cockpit, those are all from real stories. I, I, I don't like, I got burned on my first book, A Passion Most Pure, where um, I had, uh, you know, the, the, family had to travel by ship over to Dublin from Boston to Dublin during World War One. And my my editor's husband read the book and and he said, she can't do this. There was German U-Bart warfare. This is three months before the book's supposed to come out. And and what are the odds? He was he was an Irish historian. What are the odds? <laughs> And so I, I had to, I got burned on that one. It, it was a miraculous, I prayed and cried and prayed and cried. And then I, I didn't know what I was, I thought I was going to have to completely relocate uh, my Irish community from Dublin, like up into Nova Scotia, because that was one of the first Irish communities up there. And I needed, for the second book, I needed a long ship travel. So I was messed. <laughs> and um, I prayed about it. And I go to lunch with my friend I hadn't seen in a long time. She goes, well, you know, she goes, I just happened to read last month an article about uh, uh, freighters during World War One. how U German U-boats were shooting them down. So they had to figure a way to get the freighters over to Europe with, with supplies and troops. And she says, so they put them in convoys and that cut it down from something like 30% sink rate down to 2%. And I went, oh, oh, I mean, what are the odds of that happening? <laughs> And so I, I went, oh, oh, it took me all of one paragraph to put in there that my uh, secondary older heroine, hero, he had a cousin, give him a cousin who was in the freighting business and his wife was in menopause. So she, the, the hero's wife was in menopause and going to have a breakdown. So he begged him to take his family over to Dublin. That's how I got him over there because ship ship travel, they commandeered all the passenger ships. So I didn't realize any of this. That taught me that research is critical. And that taught me that you darn well better find somebody that already did it <laughs> before you have your character doing it. Interesting. Very interesting. Any other questions out there? Layla, you don't have a question? Oh, there she goes. Go ahead, Layla. You can, uh, you can unmute, Layla, and ask your question if you'd like. A microphone's still muted, yeah. <clears throat> oh, you know what? It looks like maybe she dropped out there. We put her on the spot. <laughs> I put her she on might, the spot. She <laughs> might pop back in here, maybe. Yeah. We'll see. Uh, Lindsay, you are our only other one in the meeting with us right <laughs> hey, now. Here we go. Layla. There she is. Hey, Layla. Hi. Sorry, technical difficulties. That's okay. Um, when writing historical fiction, what would y'all say is the hardest part? Was the question the hardest part of writing? Yeah, what's yeah, what's the hardest part? The hardest part of writing. Well, it's all hard as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> <laughs> you know. <laughs> but um um I I don't find the right I enjoy the writing process. Um I just didn't like the business end of it, <laughs> you know, where you have to get out and promote yourself. That's the part for me that was the hardest. So anyway, but I enjoyed the writing process. So 
I think with with historical fiction in particular, there is a lot of research that's required. We've been talking about research um, a lot already. Um, I think one of the things that can be challenging is finding the right balance between um, incorporating the cool stuff you learn in research and what is really going to keep your story moving forward. So there are there are different levels. Those who write um, true historical fiction and not as much of the historical romance usually add a lot more of that research detail into their stories, whereas historical romance, and this is speaking very generally, not for everybody, um, is a, a little bit lighter on the research. Not that that, that sounds like we don't do our research. We do, obviously, um, but we, we incorporate it less because the romance is the main the main central focus. The history is not the main central focus. The romance is. And because of that, the romance, the history and all the research that we do sets the scene and gives us ideas for moving the plot and all of that. But we can't just have long passages of here's something really cool I learned in research that doesn't move the story forward. And so I think for me, that sometimes can be the, the trickiest part is finding that right balance of how much history to incorporate um, so that the story feels authentic and helps the reader get immersed in that world um, without getting bogged down in so many details that you feel like you're reading a, a textbook instead of a, a fun romance story. Yeah. Yeah, I would say the research. I, gosh, I hate the research. <laughs> and um, it, it I, I've had, I've had readers write me. I had chocolate chip cookies in a, you know, in a, a 1916 book. And no, no, uh, Julie, they weren't invented until the thir- you know, the 30s. So I mean, I've had so many people. You, know, you can't eat. No, you can't do this. This because because it's a Catholic family. I was writing about, and this is not right. I had them fasting. I I was raised Catholic, so I thought you know you couldn't eat three hours before, you know, you went to mass, and um, I. <laughs> I, that's what I did. I mean, duh. And back in 1900s and in the 1916 and 20s, when I was writing, when this, when it was happening, um, it was like you couldn't eat after midnight. So I, I blew some things like that, and that just. But that's because I'm not. You know, sometimes you don't even know what to look for. You know, and somebody tells you. <laughs> Yeah, that's especially at the beginning, like um, my first book has a bird that doesn't exist at that particular time. And it made it like, I don't know, eight years before someone called me out online. And I'm like, I didn't know birds were introduced from somewhere else, you know, um, and I was reading it out loud to my husband, oh, five years later, because he doesn't read, I read out loud, or if it's on audiobook, and it wasn't on audiobook. And I wrote that she turned the stove on and I'm like, that's not what she would have done. And it went through like a hot, you know, not hundred people, like 20 people. And no one brought that up. Cause it was just, and it was just, you know, a, just a, how I would have written it. It wasn't even a thought about history. So when I first started, especially after like a few critiques where people are like, you can't use that word. You can't use that particular detail. Then I got really, um, I was stopping every two sentences, like, can I use that word? And now that I've written so many times, I'm like, I know I can't use that word. You know, you keep putting it in your head, the more words that you check out. Um, And that kind of stunted my writing at the very beginning when I got really afraid of using all the words or, or particular idioms and things like that. And so I had to teach myself um, to flag it if it wasn't a big deal. Like, can I use the word, um, you know, loophole. Um, Can I use that word or not? I don't know in that particular setting. So I'll just um, put a note there. So now I won't allow myself to stop writing unless it's something that'll affect the plot completely. Um, So like I need to know if there was a train there or not um, because I don't want to have a train robbery and there's no train and then have to go fix that. But um, so it, it really kind of stunted the uh, the story for a while because I couldn't get into the story and feel the story if I was like constantly stopping to check words and and historical details. But, you know, whether she was wearing um, a crinoline or a chemise or whatever, that's not going to affect my story. So I can just put the word in and then and make a note and keep writing. So definitely at the beginning, it was 
the fear of getting things wrong after you got one wrong, you know? So I have those birds that don't exist and, and I couldn't get my publisher to let me take it out. <laughs> They're like, it's not a big deal. I'm like, Oh, they don't exist though. So. <laughs> yeah. That's fine. I had a guy tell me it was 1895 and he said the word hooligan wasn't, it wasn't in 1895. And I, I use etymology.com, which is, you know, you go and I check every word that I have a question about. Um, uh, I did in sync in one of my books in 1916 and they go, no, 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 no. <laughs> so that's when I learned to go to etymology.com. But I did find out that the word hooligan was in 1896. My book was in 1895. So I took poetic license there. <laughs> and since there was just a year difference, yes, he could be a hooligan. So, <laughs> Of course, because they were using it before it got into the dictionary. So you're, yeah. you're good. Yeah. And, they all, and then they sometimes also, yeah, they, they also say that the word is used like a year or two before it actually makes it a print. So, you know, you've got a little leeway there. But uh, <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> and then sometimes historical fact that I know is called out by somebody. So I had somebody, um, it's, it's an unpublished book, and it was a particular judge that told me that they knew this area and that the, uh, <clears throat> the racial makeup of the place that I was talking about was wrong. Well, they knew the area from their point, but I actually had census records with that those people there. So sometimes you're called out on things that you have very specific historical reference to, but they don't know it. And so sometimes you're called out for things that yes. are in fact historically accurate. In a review, in a review on Amazon, yes. she doesn't know her stuff. She said this and I'm going, I've got the proof, <laughs> but you can't, you know, how do you ever speak? Can't respond to them. Good question. Yeah, these are great questions. Do you guys have any other questions you'd like to ask? Lindsay, go ahead. Hi. Um, it kind of goes with my other question that I had. Um, while doing research to make sure things are historically accurate, um, I've read where in other books, um, at the end, they'll say this actually happened, but they used... Um, it actually happened to a real person, but they changed the whole character's life, their name, everything. I was wondering your thoughts on that. Author notes are, are helpful at the end. If you, especially if you took license to change something in history, I think you probably should use an author note to explain that. Um, I don't use author notes very often because I usually don't have those big historical events that I'm working with. But um, I did have um, an occasion to use an author note um, with uh, a story that I'm uh, working on now that I can't tell you about because I don't want to give it away. But sometimes there are some things in history that are just super cool. I think I've used an author note, I'm trying to remember, maybe two or three times, not, not for every book. But if there was something that I found that was either really fascinating that I wanted to share some more information about with my readers, or if I took some liberties with and I wanted to explain that, um, or sometimes if I just... Um, if, if there was an element to to the story that I felt um, the readers needed to know a little bit more background about or something, then I would include that in an author note. Um, but for the most part, most readers not, I mean, you're really historical nerdy readers are going to love those author notes. Um, but most readers, they're not even going to read them. They're just going <laughs> to, they're just going to read the story when they get to the end. That's, that's good enough for them. I almost always use author notes um, <clears throat> just because there's always something that comes up that's interesting or that I want to include or whatever. Like I did tell my Jesse James story in my last book, you know, because readers seem to really like that. If you have something personal you can put into it. So I always usually include author notes. Yeah, I, I do author notes a lot of times as a further kind of teaching method because um, so many of my plots and spiritual lessons in my books are based on 
you know, I mean, I'm old, I got lots of them and they're all in my books. And so I'll explain a lot of times why that was in there and how it happened to me. And that this is this, this really did work. The spiritual lesson really did work. You know, so I'll do that a lot as a, as a further extension to, to teach in a sense. I don't use them very often, but usually it's just to highlight something that was super interesting because <clears throat> as as Karen said, I don't use a whole bunch of major historical events generally. And oftentimes, though, I more often use it for highlighting something else. Like um, I had a baby <clears throat> in a particular novel that had a problem and I couldn't tell you what it was because they didn't know what it was at that point. And uh I just wanted someone to know what I was actually trying to portray, which was very interesting. I actually had a person um, email me that they got to the end and they they had adopted a baby and the baby exhibited the things that I had put in that book and they were going through doctor's tests and stuff. And then she got to the author's note and found it was uh, fetal alcohol syndrome. And that week, she went back to the hospital and that's what the doctor told her it was. And she, when she heard that in my author's note, she prepared herself. She's like, oh, my kid has this. And she was allowed to um, ponder it for a while. And then when she got there, that the doctor's um, um, diagnosis wasn't such a shock to her. And um, so I use it more for that kind of thing because I knew people would be curious of what it was because I never mentioned it because I couldn't mention it because historically I couldn't. And um so that tends to be more what I use the author notes for, but um, yeah. So like, uh, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. You're fine. Um, so like you might take a person back, like from the 1850s or so, or somebody during the war, something that happened to them and use their experience, but kind of like fictionalize the character where it's your own, where they have, you know, it's a completely different life, but the same instance, like the same event that happened during the battle, you know, something like that. I do tend to do that. Does anybody else do that or, or do you strictly, it's all fictional? No, I do that. Definitely. Mine are more fictional. I don't, I, it's very rare for me to use, uh, you know, like journals or, or something like that from a real person and, and take that and then fictionalize an account. Mine are usually just purely made up. Okay. Well, I've used real, like, for example, the first train robbery and that kind of thing, because as you know, you've got that and I'll, I might use something like that that actually really did happen. Um, you know, but most of it's fictionalized, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that might be one or two people per book. And sometimes, as I said, like the monkey didn't even make it. So oftentimes, <laughs> oftentimes I just start with those things and that helps inform my story and give it some character and things. But then then when I really get into the story since I layer it, then then those things might go away or very little of it makes it in there. But I guess it's just a spur to my imagination. Mm -hmm. That's a good point. Go ahead, Layla. When writing your novels, how do y'all incorporate the spiritual aspect? Is it harder or easier than the other elements in the story. Oh, I, I'll, I'll go, if you know, mine. Um, it's, it's the easiest thing. It's, I mean, let's face it, all of us really, I mean, we love to write, but we're writing for God. I mean, we're writing to change hearts for him. And um, that's our, our primary motivation. And I find that that's, I, I mean, we all have so many examples in our lives that we can uh, teach our characters. And um, that's 
that's what I try to do. And I'll be honest, when I go through and proof, I judge a book on how many Kleenexes I go through. And every one of those Kleenexes is a spiritual lesson that just rips my heart out because I went through it, you know. And um, for me, the spiritual aspect is the key thing and the easiest thing to write because I've been there and done it, you know. You know, it's kind of interesting. Um, one day my agent said to me, she says, it's really interesting that all of your books, the theme in all of your books is abandonment. And I was kind of so shocked when she said that, because apparently, according to some authors, we all have a theme we write to. And um, so I guess to some way I lost all my family in the war, uh, World War Two, And so I think in a way... I must have felt abandoned at the time, and that oh, that's the thing that goes through all my books. And I was, I didn't know that. I mean, it was just coming out. So I think sometimes we also write to fix things in our lives. And I think you know, in my books, I could have I could have a father, I could have a mother in my books that I couldn't have in real life. So I think that's a, that's an interesting uh, thing that comes out in writing. And I I challenge all writers to figure out the theme in their books because there's one main thing that goes through and, and you'll be amazed at what you'll find out. So anyway, I was hmm. kind of shocked about that. I tend to write, um, my my characters tend to be people of faith to start with. And so because of that, um, it's I think I've had one book that had a, a major conversion story, but most of mine don't. Most of them are just, these are people of faith going through real life with stuff that happens and how do they handle it? When do they turn to God? When do they um, try to handle it themselves? When do they grow impatient? When do they let anger or bitterness take root, you know, those kind of things. Um, and a lot of times, kind of like what Julie was saying, the my characters in my books tend to be working through issues that I happen to be working through um, at the time. And it, it I obviously I, I pray over my stories every day as as I'm writing, asking that um, God will will use something that will touch a reader um, and bring bring that reader closer to him. And there I will I've always been just amazed when a scene comes together without me really trying to, it just kind of comes together. And in the course of that writing, I feel like God is speaking to my spirit and telling me something that I need to grow and I need to um, have some, some, uh, I don't know, my own spiritual arc <laughs> needs some work. Um, and it's amazing that he can speak through me through the writing process. And I, I pray that he can speak through readers through the reading process as well. I'd like to piggyback on that because I just, I don't hate it, but I get so <laughs> frustrated when God teaches you a lesson through your own book. <laughs> you know, I had a situation where a neighbor did something awful to us and um, we didn't know for sure it was him, but we were pretty, pretty sure. I was sure my husband was. He says, Julie, we can't do any. We can't call the police. We can't do anything because we don't know. I said, we do know. And I cited the examples and my husband and I got into a huge argument, which we, we never argue. Never. And it was so bad that he had to take a sleeping pill because he was like this. And I'm reading, I'm reading my a book and not my book, but a book. And I'm sitting there, I can barely concentrate. And all of a sudden, like a little spider web coming down into my brain was the 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 phrase true liberty is doing the right thing, which was my theme at, for uh, for love of liberty, my my Western book, and that's the whole theme. That you know, if you really want to be free, you have to do it God's way. And I'm sitting there because I'm thinking to myself, instead of reading the book, I'm thinking I'm going to do this back to him. I'm going to do this. Yeah, I am. I mean, I won't do what he did, but I'm going to. I'm and and this is what I'm thinking, and that comes down to my brain, and I'm going, oh really? <laughs> so I went out, bought some cupcakes the next day, took them down to them because I'm a person that believes you have to put feet to your faith. You can't just forgive them. You have to put feet to it. And so I did that and everything worked out and I got over it and it, it, it was good, but that, that gets kind of like, Karen <laughs> he nails you on your own, on your own words, you know, or his words. 
For me, I'm a huge plotter. I plot a lot ahead of time. And so I attempt in the uh, plotting of what I'm going to do. I try to have the hero and the heroine have a um, the same sort of spiritual journey, but coming at it different. So if it's, I don't know, jealousy, one is jealous of something, but the other one is like the opposite. So I try and have them have um, different extremes. One's too far swung this way and one's too far swung this way and they'll both meet in the middle at the end of the book and I've learned a lesson on how to handle that particular spiritual matter but that doesn't necessarily mean that that is at the end of the book exactly the message that um, I will beef up so in my layering I might notice whether it's it's my own subconscious or or whatever there's another theme that played in that I didn't intend to put in. And then I have to um, hone it if it's a good one. So then I go back and layer that in and um, whatever works best for the story. But sometimes it's for me, not necessarily in the moment, but years later. So um, a book that I'd written many years before, and then I decided to bring it back and, and, and release it. I mean, it was like God taught me about what I was going to go through seven years later through that book. And it was just talking to me. And I, at that point, I hadn't had that particular moral dilemma really causing strife in my life. But seven years later, when I started editing it, it was talking to me. So um, I don't particularly necessarily put the message in for me that I'm going through at that time in that book, but it still somehow is for me, even if it's not for anybody else. So can I just interject in there? So we just did wrap up the hangers horseman series, which is Karen's um, series. And in, I think it's in the heart's charge. Um, one of her heroes is talking to a, an orphan boy and that conversation, Karen, I cried when I read it. I cried when I reread it on our podcast. <laughs> I mean, you, I mean, it was very um, well-written and not that I didn't cry on anyone else's books, but that was one that just really is most fresh in my mind because we just read it. Um, but you layered in like the whole point of that conversation was you are a child of God. And um See, I'll try not to choke up now and thinking about it. But the way you had that conversation happen, Karen, um, was just very moving. And so I think most of your readers are probably catching that message from that scene. So that that is so thank you, ladies. <laughs> that is something that as authors we 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 need to hear every now and then that that what we're trying to accomplish is being accomplished. Cause I think that that helps us keep going. And to be honest, that, that scene, I was so nervous about that scene because I used a word that was not, that could be taken the wrong way. Um, and I, I went over it with my editors. I even got some uh, opinions from readers. I'm like, is this okay to put in there? I think it's really important for what the characters are going through. And I was, I was amazed at how many people were like, yes, this needs to be, this needs to be in there. And so thank you for, for saying that because it's, it's, it's reassuring that what we're doing really does make a difference. Mm -hmm. And I know we have uh, Karen was able to join us here. So I'm, if any of you have questions, feel free to raise your hand and we'll get those asked. Go ahead, Layla. Or and Kathleen, I think both of you. So let's start with Kathleen. You can ask your questions if you unmute. Our microphone's on. Oh, there, there it is. Okay. Okay. <laughs> um, my question was for Julie on your, um, some of yours have like military background things in them. And um, do you have any kind of military? I, I had to skip out. I don't know if somebody already asked that question. Do you have any kind of military type background, family? <laughs> Zero. 
zero. And so as a person that, as I mentioned earlier, does not like research, I knew to tackle World War II was going to be was going to be a bear because my situation, I had to learn all about the WASP, the Women's Airline Service Pilot, because half of the book is that. So I had to learn all of that. I had to learn military terms. Uh, she's a pilot. I had to learn aeronautical terms. Um, it's the farties. You have to do the mores, the the language, the looks, the hairdo, the, you know, uh, the words. You know, I, I have a I have a slang forties, you know, dictionary that I would go to because um, you can't just go, oh, darn, you know, or, or <laughs> you had to come up with things that that, that brought some of the flavor of the era. Um, so, no, that was tough, Kathleen. Mm-hmm. I and then the whole World War, I had to plot out that uh, my plot according to where the battles were and what was going to happen and stuff like that, which meant I had to learn about all that stuff ad nauseum. <laughs> And by the time I was done, I knew more about World War II than than anybody I know. <laughs> and and but it happened right at I the book came out and all that research came out right was the 50th uh, D Day was it 50th yeah of D Day and or and um, of VE Day excuse me. And so that I I that I felt pretty knowledgeable when that was all going on because I learned it all and I you know but no zero. <laughs> But thank you. If you read it, you thought it was authentic. That that's a compliment. <laughs> Layla, do you have one last question? Um, I didn't have a question. I just wanted to kind of go along with what you had said, uh, Melissa. And um, uh, I recently read *Sin: The Preacher* by uh, Miss Mrs. Whitmire, and uh, it just it touched me a lot. And so, thank you for writing that book. Um, it was very personal for me and it just touched me in my spirit in a beautiful way. And I'll definitely be rereading it very soon. (laughs) Thank you so much. Awesome. Okay. Well, um, we didn't, I know we had 65 sign up and we had like four of us able to hop on today. So I, it was kind of honestly a little nice to be a little more intimate this way, um, rather than having us huge list of people that we're trying to get through. So I wanted to thank everyone who joined, but I also want to give each of our authors a time to just share real quick um, what you have coming up where um, they can connect with you and then we'll move into our drawing. So if you want to start, Karen, you can. Okay. Um, so one of the best, or well, I think one of the most fun places to connect with me is in my Facebook group called The Posse. So uh, I think I recognize several names uh, here already, but if you're not part of The Posse and you would like to join, um, I we're there Monday through Friday every day. We have all kinds of fun talking and, and uh, doing bookish activities and just supporting one another and, and having a great time. Um, also, obviously, through my website is a great place to learn about my books and uh, contact me through there as well. Um, I'm getting ready to launch a new series in June that will be Western retellings of classic fairy tales, which has been a lot of fun. Uh, My first book and that series is called Fairest of Heart, and it is a Snow White tale. So it's going to be fun, I think. Great. Awesome. Melissa, do you want to go? Sure. Um, Connecting with me, uh, I would say through my newsletter on my um, website, um, that's probably where you'll get the most personal stuff from me. I don't, I do it about once a quarter, unless there's something really important. So not a whole bunch of emails from me, but, um, and Facebook would probably be the best social media area to, to um, connect with me. As for what I have coming up, I'm still working on the Wyoming series that I'm in and um, no, no particular date for that, but I've got two more books of that series to go and then I'll start a new one. That's exciting. Is that part of the Frontier Vow series? Yes. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I'm looking forward to those coming out. So, and Margaret. Yes. uh, You could connect through, uh, do margaretbrownlee.com. Um, 
I'm not very good at Facebook, but <laughs> I have a Facebook page, but I sometimes go weeks without looking at it. Right? So I'm sorry. Um, but anyway, but you can connect to me uh, by, through my website. And I'm currently working on a mystery, my first um, <clears throat> straight, you know, straight mystery. So um, anyway, that would be a little change for me. So, but thank you anyway, for all yeah. your support. Mm-hmm. I'm going to give a plug to Margaret's newsletter. It's fun. <laughs> so I think I enjoy her a lot. She has a lot of fun tidbits and and just really cool stuff in it. Oh, thank you, Melissa. Mm-hmm. You're welcome. <laughs> All right. And Julie, do you want to share a little bit about where they can connect with you? Yes. Um, the best place to connect with me is through my website, the Contact Julie tab, because I, I try to avoid Facebook at I mean, I, I might be on it once a week. <laughs> I just can't stand it. I'm sorry. And, um, and so that it's the only way to get a hold. I have people leave me messages on there and I don't see them, you know, um, or leave comments. Um, so that would be the best. And what I'm working on now is, well, obviously I'm going to have my third World War II book that um, I'm going to begin in January. But right now I'm working on a thing, what I, I like to call a devotional. And basically it's a devotional, um, but it, it it, it, I, I was forced into writing it. God forced forced my hand on it um, by having all these things happen that forced me into it. So I, I mean, I even argued with him and said, "You got to give me one more." And he kept giving me things that would happen. So I'm going to do it. And what basically is, it's going to be my uh, the first part is going to be just a short clip of my, the real spiritual lesson that I learned in my life and how I learned it. And then I'm going to do the novel the novel version of where I teach my character, the scene, a scene where I taught my character that lesson. Um, And then I'm going to have scriptures that relate to that lesson. I'm going to have one, two, three points. And uh, then I'm going to have a prayer at the end. So I call it a, it's a devotional, but it's, I'm going to call it a devotional. And um, that's, that's what I'm being forced into writing right now by God, because I don't like nonfiction. I don't like reading it. I don't like writing it. And he's going, but you will. (laughs) So that's what I'm doing now. And then I'll start my World War II third one. I can't wait for that because he's a real pistol. Mm -hmm. So hero. So I'm very much looking forward to that one too. (laughs) All right, guys. Um, A couple, I forgot, Julie, to ask you, so if you guys have followed our podcast at all, you know that we do like a monthly giveaway if you're signed up for our newsletter. And Julie happened to be the winner <laughs> of our last month, but she doesn't do the physical books. Um, and so she's wanting to um, give those away to someone. Do you did you also want to do that giveaway or do you have a separate thing? I'll do that on my on my blog. I'll probably do that later today on my okay. blog. All I right. So just. What do they need to do if they haven't? Do they just need to sign up for your newsletter? What do you? Uh, it's sign up for my blog. Just subscribe to my blog, uh, okay. Journal Jock's blog. And just go to julielessman.com uh, and you'll see blog and click on that. And right up on the right hand, you can sign up for that. That's really where most of my information goes out to my readers. And then I do very, very rare newsletters like like Melissa, even less than four quarterly so yeah and i will do that plus since i'm an indie author now um i give away books like crazy and so i am doing other giveaways on there right now but uh, for you gals layla and kathleen and um lindsay for taking the time and i don't know who the two others are that are on there and karen karen's in there i i'm we're so grateful for you guys showing up you know, and, and being here that I'd like to give each of you a free ebook of your choice of one of my indie ebooks. So all you have to do is contact me through my website and uh, I will be happy to do that for you. Plus one of you, one of you will uh, also get uh, Karen's. (laughs) I won Karen's uh, paperback series, which I was hangers. Yeah. The hangers horseman series. I don't do paperbacks because my husband, you know, I were reading and I can't, do that and keep them up and and I can't see real well so I I have to have the ebook I don't know if there's any chance I could ever get an ebook I would love that but if not I'll just you know go ahead and get it but um anyway yeah so that one of you ladies here will get that awesome it's exciting okay so I'm gonna switch and share my screen really fast um so anyone who signed up uh, is part of the drawing. So when I get to that wheel, you'll see there's um, lots of names in there. 
All right. See if it's. Can everybody see the wheel? <laughs> so I used to teach and now I'm an administrator, but I used to use this tool in the classroom um, to make things fair. So we're going to try it for this giveaway. Are we ready? I hope someone who's here wins. <laughs> here we go. Oh my word, Karen, did you? Oh my God, Karen is here. Yay. <laughs> All right, Karen. Oh my goodness, that is awesome. I love that. Karen, congratulations. <laughs> Let me stop presenting here so we can see the screen, but. Yep, Karen was able to slip in here at the end. Karen Zimmerman, congratulations. So I have those books sitting back here and I will get those mailed out soon. All right, guys. Um, sorry, Karen, did you pop in? Yeah, I just unmuted so I could say thank you. <laughs> oh, you're welcome. Thank you for showing up and, and being here today with us. Yeah, I got the time wrong. Oh. Um, and that's why I was late getting in. So maybe that's why some of the others didn't make it. I don't know. <laughs> maybe. It could be. Did you have a question real quick that you wanted to ask? Uh, no, that's, that's okay. Okay. All right. Well, thanks for hopping in. Um, I know going through different time zones can make it um, a little tricky. So... All right, guys, that's all that I had, but um, this video I'm hoping to have posted on our Rumble channel. If you look up Literary Escape on Rumble, you'll find us, and I hope to have it posted by the end of the day today, so you can rewatch it or share it with others. Um, but does, if anybody else has anything final to say, go ahead. Otherwise, we'll close out, and I hope you guys have a wonderful weekend and a Merry Christmas wanted to say thank you i really enjoyed it you're welcome thank you it was terrific i was here last week a week early oh <laughs> <laughs> it was well, we sure loved me. hearing from all of you it was great good questions yes thank you all right guys have a wonderful christmas you too melissa thank you you're welcome bye, bye.